Hi, and welcome to Finding Your Flow, the podcast. My name is Jen, and I'm your host. I'm inviting you here to intuitively lead and live your most aligned and expansive life. I'm an intuitive business and leadership advisor for heart-centered, impact-driven leaders, entrepreneurs, and businesses. And I'm also a supporter of women's empowerment and animal rescue work. Unlocking flow and supporting you through your next level of growth and transformation is my superpower. I found my own freedom and flow through entrepreneurship over a decade ago. And on this podcast, I'll be sharing stories and insights through the lens of my expertise and my personal experience and through inspiring conversations with my special guests. I'll be helping you navigate your most important asset, your intuition, supporting you in getting unstuck and staying on your most successful and aligned path. I want you to leave with aha moments, deep insights, clarity on your next steps, and more importantly, an inner knowing that where you are right now is perfectly aligned. Life needs you where you're at your best. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the podcast. Today, I have a super juicy interview uh, and podcast episode with Dr. Eugene Choi. Um, I met Eugene through um, a mutual friend, a mutual business friend, and um, immediately was just hooked and so curious about the work that he does. Um, so Dr. Eugene, actually, um, he's a certified transformational mindset coach, and he is actually a certified clinical pharmacist. So this was his career before doing the work that he does now. Um, so he had, he has a very science-based background and a very, um, intuitive, uh, openness towards how we live life. And he kind of blends science and intuition together in a way that is so friggin' exciting and mind blowing. Um, this was probably one of the most exciting interviews I have done so far. One, because I have a background, um, in wellness as a yoga therapist. So I very much understand and believe in what happens in our bodies physiologically. And I equally believe in and support um, how we move through life in a very intuitive way, right? So intuitive leadership and intuitive business building is what I really believe in. And um, so we talk about like how important the science is in accessing our intuition. And um, what he talks about is like in any given moment, there are only two states that we can be in, in our lives, in the survival state or in the executive state. The, fi- the survival state is the fight or flight response. So when we're stressed um, and the executive state is when we have accessed our full creativity, our right brain, our um, intuitive uh, intuitive powers, I would say. And so um, it's really exciting to see how these two things are really important together. We often separate those and see um, the left brain being completely separate and independent of the right brain, but they actually really work powerfully together if we let them. Um, He talks about how research shows that 70% of our adult life, uh, for for 70% of our adult life, the part of our brain that can give us the highest levels of creativity, innovation, and performance is actually turned off, which is so scary, but also so inspiring because you're going to see in his... um, in his talk today that like there are really simple ways in which you can access your highest levels of potential and creativity. So I can't wait for you to dive in. I actually have chills as I'm preparing to send you off into this interview. Um, I think you're going to feel so much better about um, just how your, your, your brain and your mind and your intuition works. 
Um, and you're going to feel a lot more empowered about how you can really take control of your life in a way that is effortless and um, that allows you to be at your really at your highest potential. So enjoy. All right. Let's get started. Hi. Yeah, Hi, how's it going? Good. It's nice to have you. Thanks for coming on the podcast. Yeah, it's my pleasure. It's a pleasure to be here. Yeah, I'm really excited um, to dive in. I know we had a conversation about a week ago and we just dove into so many amazing things. Um, and one of the things that I'm that I love the most or what really caught my attention when I discovered your work through Michelle was just how you kind of bring science together with intuition, which I think is super, um, super intriguing because I have a background um, as a yoga therapist and now I work a lot with intuition. And uh, I just think there's so much for people to learn about how our nervous system impacts uh, the, the success and fulfillment that we can experience in every moment. So I would love for you to share like what piqued your curiosity about this and like how did you start to blending these two things together. So you can share a little bit about like what you did before you were doing this work um, and kind of how you got to here and what you're doing now. Yeah, you know, that's a great question because looking back on my life, I'm realizing there are things that I did that were actually intuitive, whether I knew it or not. Right. Um, so long story short, um, by trade, I'm a clinical pharmacist. So I'm a licensed clinical pharmacist. I have a doctorate of pharmacy. Uh, I was practicing for three years in New York City and then became really dissatisfied. Um, I was following what I call the uh, Asian American dream, which is, you know, you want to go into a job that's like a healthcare lawyer. Uh, I didn't want to be a doctor, so I chose the next best thing, which was a pharmacist. So uh, when I did that, I, I quickly realized like, hey, this is not what I wanted. I was getting really depressed and I made a decision and me and my wife together decided, hey, um, why don't we go out to California? Because I was getting invited by these guys um, that started a film production company. And I've been wanting to go into film. I was dabbling in it. So I tried it out mm -hmm. and then did that for a year. Had a lot of success in terms of exposure. We had multiple videos that's been on TV, like Queen Latifah's show, Meredith Fiera's show. Um, the biggest project I worked on got 23 million views online on YouTube. So we're getting a lot of this exposure. And then I realized quickly that I don't, number one, we ran out of money because <laughs> okay. in the filmmaking industry, it's pretty tough to make money. Mm -hmm. uh, and then the second thing was I realized I don't like the act of filmmaking. So to give you an idea, that 23 million viewed video took me seven months to edit it. Wow. So over time, I went back to pharmacy and then intuitively, I was starting to tune into, well, what is it that I'm attracted to? What is it that I like so much anyway? So that's when the epiphany came was just like, oh, this makes sense. I loved the filmmaking world because I love storytelling, right? The mm -hmm. concept of being able to be told a story because as adults, we like to sit in a dark room and watch a movie you're essentially being told a story and we get so inspired by it. And I realized the reason we get so inspired, it's because great movies are basically a character that has this big challenge that they're going through. They overcome it. Mm. And at the end, they get transformed, not necessarily on the outside, but more importantly, they get transformed on the inside. It's mm. a story about transformation. We get inspired because we all want that for ourselves, don't we? Right. We want to experience transformation for the better. And that's when I started asking myself, wait, hold on, how do you make this happen in real life? Mm. 
Like we love watching stories of transformation in a movie, but how do you make this happen in real life? Because just like in a movie, it's scary to, to change, to undergo a great transformation, to create a life that you're craving to live. Um, and that's when I discovered neuroscience where I went, holy crap, there's actual science to how your brain's wired, how it works, why it keeps you stuck, why it cuts you off from your intuition because of things like fear and stress and anxiety and frustration and how to actually develop the skills to be able to tap into the parts of your brain that has your creativity and your intuition and all the superpowers that exist. Yeah, and like literally, and what I'm thinking right now is like, how come I didn't meet you like 10 years ago? <laughs> it's been so amazing. Uh, this is this is literally what I'm so passionate about and what I talk about in my work a lot because like I'm always walking entrepreneurs through their next level of growth and transformation. And it's so interesting to see where people get stuck. And so I'm curious to hear from you, um, where, where do you see people getting stuck the most mm -hmm. and why? Yeah, and yeah. what have you witnessed that unlocks flow the, the easiest, the quickest for people to access that? I like to kind of look at it as like the right side of the brain and then also the intuition was a little bit like kind of bigger for me. Um, so I would love to hear kind of those two things. Yeah, absolutely. You know, this is such an important question. And the way I like to illustrate it is this, where, why do people get stuck? It's because of an experience like this. So for example, I think everyone's had like a similar experience to something like this, which is imagine you're watching, I don't know, imagine you're watching the cooking channel, right? And the chef is showing you what to do step-by-step, step, right? Take this ingredient, cook this, cook that, cook this. And you follow all those steps. But by the time you're done, you look at your dish, you compare it with the chefs and you're like, why does mine look nothing like the chefs? And the thing is, most people would attribute that to, oh, the chef's the expert. The chef has cooked this dish tons of times. That's why the chef is so good at cooking this dish. Mm. And people just stop it there. Well, it's just like, no, that's not the whole picture. If you look at the whole picture, yes, the chef knows what to cook, but the chef also has a deeper understanding of how cooking works. Is mm. that making sense so far? So yeah, yeah, yeah. But when you're doing something for the first time, we're so mm. focused on what to do, right? We're just oh. leaning on an expert to tell you what to do and you follow those steps. But because you don't understand how it works, you're looking at your dish and you're like, why does mine look nothing like that? Even though I thought I followed every step. Yeah. But because the chef understands how to cook, if you were to put a whole new set of ingredients that the chef never used in front of the chef and say, cook a dish, chef will probably still cook up something pretty decent. You know what I mean? But imagine you put it in front of the new person, a whole new set of ingredients that they never use. Think about the types of questions that person asks. It's mm. a lot of questions that start with what, right? What am I supposed to do with this? Mm. What do I do here? Tell me what to do. And this is why people get stuck. It's usually an indicator that the wrong question is being asked to begin with. And you stay disempowered because that new person will probably never even try to cook. Yeah. They're just sitting there asking questions, feeling stuck. But if they ask the better questions, such as chef, how does cooking work? Chef can be like, oh, that's really easy. You have an eight ounce piece of beef here or an eight ounce piece of tofu, depending on your dietary <laughs> restrictions, right? Um, and you cook it at this flame, it's going to cook this fast. And that's why if you cook it for this many minutes, it's going to come out the perfect consistency. Mm -hmm. And then you're sitting there go, oh, I see a little bit how this works. 
now I can kind of be a little bit more flexible and figure things out better. So I'm bringing all of this up because the question you're asking is so important because once you understand how things work when you're feeling stuck, it's usually an indicator, the types of questions we're asking to begin with is probably the very questions that's keeping you stuck. Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah. So what I like to share is that if you're ever finding yourself asking these questions, what should I do next with my life? What's the next decision I need to make? And you're still feeling stuck. It's usually an indicator that the question being asked is the wrong question to begin with. So how does intuition work, right? Or how does tapping into your creativity work? When you understand (laughs) how all of this works, then the clarity starts coming. And that's what I show people is how does the brain work, right? How do you tap into this part of your brain that you can access your intuition, et cetera? Yeah. And I feel like the what question is so brain directed. Like it's, it feels like the surface of what we really need to know. And that's where we get, I know that's where I get stuck a lot because what will happen with me is like, I'll have, this is kind of how my transformation works. I, I, I get to a place where I'm frustrated, mm. frustrated. I feel stuck. I feel like no matter what I'm doing, it's not working. I'm not, I'm not getting or experiencing what I'm hoping to. Then I get an insight, a moment of awareness. Mm-hmm. Then usually after that, I have a moment of healing, <laughs> which for me looks like an emotional release. So all that pent up frustration and like overthinking, yes. of like, why am I stuck? What am I doing wrong? All of that stuff. So then there's a moment of healing. And then after the moment of healing, there's a moment of inspiration. And then from the healing to the inspiration, it's actually beautiful. Like it's such a nice sensation. Yes. And then I can, sometimes I go right to the creating space for my intuition to tell me what, what needs to come next. But often I go right back in the brain and I'm like, well, what do I do with all this now? Like, what is my job? What is my role? And then it's kind of, we get stuck in these cycles. Um, And I love, I think more of us need to just relax into the open space of possibility and not be so rushed to find answers so quickly. Correct. Yeah. And so when you meet very intuitive people, like you see the results in their life, but to the average person, it's very scary. It's just like, really like trust your Mm -hmm. instinct, trust your gut, trust your intuition. So what I found to be helpful is I started teaching like how it works. So if we were to slow down the experience you just mentioned right there, right? You're feeling frustrated. Even with the first two things you said, you're feeling frustrated and then a moment of inspiration hits. There's a lot of stuff happening in between that that most people don't think about because it just happens so fast. So this is what I try to break down for people so that if you start making these changes, you will experience more moments of inspiration and you will feel the intuition, right? It's it's less about thinking and doing and it actually starts with sensing and feeling, right? So the way I like to explain it is, is really the simplest thing that I've realized is that your brain really just operates in one of two modes, two states, okay? It operates in what's called a survival state, which is meant for life-threatening scenarios. It's a part of your brain that when it turns on into the survival state, you are now reacting without thinking. Your brain actually can't think in the moment. And it's meant for life-threatening scenarios, like if a tiger's in front of you about to eat you. You need to be reacting without thinking, because if you start thinking, you might die, 
Right. Right? So you need your body to react. No time. You thinking about no time for thinking. And um, this is the part where when you're in this mode, you're actually cutting yourself off from your intuition. Yeah. Uh, we can go into that a little bit later, but most people uh, confuse reactivity with intuition, thinking that it's a gut reaction, right? Like, so um, we can go into that a little bit later, but bottom line is you're cutting yourself off from it. Like you can't access it because your brain is just in a reactive state versus the opposite state, which is what's called an executive state. This is what you're talking about. This is the state where you can access inspiration, intuition. Uh, a lot of uh, tangible things are turned on in your brain, such as your critical thinking skills, your problem solving skills, your creativity. Uh, most importantly, for me, most importantly, your empathy, your ability to connect with someone else um, is turned on. So the biggest problem based on research is that even though your life's not actually in danger for most of your life or you're about to die, that survival state that we're talking about where you're reacting with think without thinking is actually turned on for more or less about 70% of our adult lives based on research. That's and nice. it's not because you're about to die. It's because your brain is actually surviving from your emotions that don't feel good, such as anxiety, frustration, stress. So then your brain goes into this reactive mode. And the thing to understand is how this works. When you're in this reactive mode called the survival state, it only knows how to do one of three things without thinking. You're reacting, right? It's three reactions. It's called a fight, flight, freeze response. Mm. So when you look at the fight, flight, freeze response in a life-threatening scenario, if a tiger's in front of you about to eat you, it's really straightforward. <laughs> You're going to try to pick up a weapon and fight. You're going to run for your life in flight. Mm. Or you actually freeze up and you shut down and you uh, and freeze. It's analogous to playing dead opossums are famous for doing this because their predators like live food mm. as an example so if you play dead then the threat will go away our brains have that kind of defense mechanism in our brains but what most people don't see is how does this look in emotional survival if you're experiencing an emotion like you mentioned earlier like frustration the fight flight freeze response still kicks in it just looks a little different a fight response might look something like frustration right like anger yeah. So if you're, if you hear someone saying something to you, that's hurtful. And now you're getting defensive and now you're fighting, right? That's a fight response. And now our, because your empathy is turned off, remember empathy is not turned on when you're in a survival state. Now it's just two parties arguing with each other and it's an attack and defend conversation. And we all know where that usually ends up, right? Whether we've been in a relationship or with a friend and it usually doesn't end up productive and it usually ends up hurting each other. Um, where the fight gets deeper too is for some people fighting looks like perfectionism where imagine you carry this belief about yourself that you're not good enough not worthy not important so how do you fight mm -hmm. you fight by trying to do a lot of work to the point where perfectionism kicks in i have to get this perfect because what i believe about myself is i'm so imperfect i need to fight to become perfect even though perfect doesn't exist or you've always been perfect just the way you are, right? So a lot of fighting happens for us where it gets to the point where people are burning themselves out and overworking, mm. right? So that's fight. And then flight can look like things like procrastination. I'm fleeing from the thing I don't want to do right now because what I believe about that experience is that I'm not ready to do this now or what will people think of me if I do this now and I don't do it right, et cetera. So procrastination is a form of a flight response where flight response gets deeper is when you start numbing yourself. 
you're intentionally distracting yourself from a feeling you don't like, such as frustration, anxiety, depression. So um, what does that look like? Some people like to binge watch Netflix. Some people like to eat a tub of ice cream. Uh, some people overindulge in things like alcohol, sex, and drugs to the point of addiction even in some people. Mm. And no judgment around any of this. It's just good to be aware. This is less about judging yourself. It's just to become aware because everyone does it. Everyone has their numbing mechanisms. Everyone has their fighting mechanisms. It's to protect ourselves from these emotions that we don't like. And freeze is basically just inaction. You stop taking action. Uh, what does that look like? If you've ever been caught in a lie and you freeze up with your eyes wide open, hoping, oh, if I just play dead right now, I hope this person stops interrogating me and bothering me, right? And the threat will go away. Or when you're overwhelmed, you just stop working. So why is this important to understand is that once you can see all of the fight, flight, freeze mechanisms happening, you can see and become more familiar with what's actually survival versus what's executive state. Because every time you're in survival, you're cutting yourself off from the intuition. So mm -hmm. if you were to slow down what happened for you, imagine this for a second. If you're frustrated, that's a survival emotion, right? Because the cheat sheet I give is if it doesn't feel good, it's a survival emotion, right? Frustration, impatience, boredom. So if you're frustrated, now you're cutting yourself from, off from intuition. And because you're cutting yourself off from it, now you're experiencing this thing called stuck. Mm. I am feeling stuck. And because I'm frustrated, I cannot access my intuition. So now I'm feeling stuck. But when you're experiencing that moment of inspiration, for example, if you really slow it down, there's probably a moment where you actually relaxed, mm -hmm. right? Even if it's for a second. For a lot of people, it happens in the shower, right? I'm taking a shower and then I have this aha moment because you're just kind of relaxing in the shower. You're, you're cleaning, right? Like you're, you're bathing yourself, showering yourself. And when you have that moment of re relaxation, boom, intuition turns on. Mm. And then information finds you. Is oh, that making sense so far? Yes. And I love what you just said. Information finds you. That is so Correct powerful and it's so the opposite of what we're doing all the time which is chasing 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 and I'm like raising my hand here totally do this all the time and I have I recognize myself in like all the fight flight or freeze things that you just talked about literally I you know it happens it happens to all of us and I think um one of the things that gets in the way of us like actually accessing this what you're talking about is not wanting to slow down correct so that's a fight response. Can you see that? Yeah. Yes. You're not wanting to slow down. You're fighting towards something. Well, it makes you ask the question, what are you fighting for? Yeah. And chances are what you're fighting for is something that you're insecure about or you're scared of. Or you don't want to feel. Correct. You don't want to feel. You're fighting from that feeling you don't want to feel. I'm afraid my life won't have meaning. I'm yeah. afraid I'm not important. I'm afraid of blank X, Y, Z. So therefore your brain reactively without you thinking starts yeah. fighting and people who work overwork that's a fight response yeah you see what i'm saying like I, like i like to give examples because sometimes it helps clarify what this looks mm -hmm. like so that people can identify it in themselves because you know what a lot of fighters they wear their fight like a badge of honor mm -hmm. they think because i'm fighting i achieved all these things in my life i was just like well buddy like you know let's let's look at this the whole picture for a second and see if it lands which is if you think about it for a second, I had a client once that went from rock bottom, right? And he got everything that you can imagine in your life. He had the multi-million dollar business. He had 
the house that he built from scratch that was the dream house. He had like everything on paper and he's in his 60s and he's still feeling a little off. He's feeling stuck still after all of these years. And as we explore, we're exploring this whole fight, flight, freeze mechanism and I'm teaching it. And he sits there and goes, wait, I've been in fight my whole life then, basically. Right. Because everyone's always been comparing me to my older brother who happens to be an NFL football player. (laughs) So you can imagine the types of things he was told that caused him to fight as a kid, such as his football coach saying, you're never going to be as good as your brother. Don't even try. Mm. How does that make you feel? It hurts, doesn't it? So here you are creating this meaning about yourself, such as I'm not good enough as my older brother. And as a reaction, you spend your whole life fighting. What does fighting look like? You make more money, status, accomplishments, right? You make more money, you become that multimillionaire, you're running the successful business and all that kind of stuff. And here you are 60 years later going, why am I not happy? Why am I still not happy? Yeah. It's because of the fact that you've been in survival. Does that making sense so far? It does. And I think it, it's such an important reminder that like there's success and then there's fulfillment, right? So a lot of us are chasing the success. Like I, lately I've had like, had this moment of like, I'm so done with all this. I'm like, I'm tired of chasing the success and money. All I want to be experiencing now is joy and impact. I want to experience joy in my work and I want it to have an impact. Like that's, and, and, and we're often really focused on success and we forget it. That's why so many successful people, this is a great story, end up at some point stopping and being like, oh, I have all this, but I, I still feel so empty inside. Yeah, exactly. Because yeah. they were fighting for it. Yeah, exactly. It wasn't an, intu- it wasn't an intuitive journey. Yeah. It was a fear-motivated journey that they were fighting from something. Is that making sense? It is, absolutely. And we have a joke on my team when like people are getting stressed about stuff, like either I say it or somebody else verbalizes it. It's like, we're not saving lives here. Everyone can just chill. Yeah. <laughs> this is not a life-threatening situation because we get all up in yeah. our head. And I used to use this example when I used to teach yoga about, I used to talk about the bear instead of the tiger because I live in Canada and I have a phobia of bears. <laughs> and people would be so stunned to, to be like, really my nervous system is reacting the same right now as if I'd be in front of a bear, like because I'm stressed my bills. Yeah, the same thing is happening. Obviously at a different intensity, but it's still the same reaction that's happening in your nervous system. And what I'd love to hear uh, also, because people really see physiology and intuition yep. as separate, literally. Oh, got it. Yeah. yeah. They, they see it as separate. They don't, they don't see how they, how they, come together like how because we we often think that like intuition is like this airy fairy woo woo stuff you know right right yes it's energetic it has it has a bit of woo in it we could say but like the fact that we can access it or not like you said is based on what's happening in our nervous system 100 percent so how like was was it hard to bring that together and to get people to start to see that and understand it was there resistance? Well, so that's the beauty of science. Science has caught up right. and it's showing so much proof now. So when you show the science, it's a lot harder to argue with the science, right? Right. So what you're bringing up in terms of physiology, this is so important. This was the big aha for me without trying to make it sound like this whole jargony science-based thing. Simply put, um, your nervous system, which is 
um, your body, right? Part, a big part of your nervous system affects your body, right? Your body is the first thing to react or respond to information, mm. right? Imagine this for a second. If you're walking down a path and there's a rattlesnake down, the, you're, you're about to approach a rattlesnake, but you don't notice it, your body will cause you to react and jump without you going, hey, body, jump right now. There's a rattlesnake here. It's not thinking, right? It's just reacting without you thinking. So the same applies to a lot of our daily th thoughts that we have, right? You think 70,000 thoughts a day based on research, 90 to 95% of those thoughts are the same thoughts every day, pretty much. And majority of those thoughts, guess what? It's a negative thought about yourself. So when you're carrying these negative thoughts about yourself on autopilot, what do you do? You react and boom, now you're in survival state and now you're cut off from intuition. So people, when you look at your nervous system, not only does it cut off your brain from being in that part of your brain where your creativity comes from, your empathy, your intuition comes from, your critical thinking skills, your body is also taking a huge toll. It's taking a huge toll on your body. Your body, if it's operating as if it's about to die, think about what's happening. If you imagine being in front of that bear, like you mentioned, your heart's going to beat faster. It's going to overwork. Your yeah. lungs are breathing faster. You have this shallow breathing. Guess what? Your blood goes away from your digestive system because this is not a time to be digesting food when you're about to die. They're going to use that blood to try to go to your muscles, right? Fight, flight, freeze to protect mm -hmm. yourself. This is why a lot of people who are stressed a lot have digestion issues. And the doctors are like, we don't see anything in the labs. That's wrong with you. Are you stressed? <laughs> right? And stress does that to your body. It's a fight, flight, freeze mechanism. Oh. And for, for females too, they did studies, for example, where uh, busy working female professionals or leaders uh, want to have children, but they can't get pregnant. And they don't know why. It's like, well, if they're stressed all the time, yeah, your body's not going to say this is a time to be reproducing and making a baby. But as soon as they learn to relax, boom, they get pregnant. So a lot of these things are happening in our body when your nervous system is in survival. And the thing to think about is your body's wasting so much energy because mm. it thinks it's about to die. So it's taking a huge toll on your body. Uh, there's a lot of chemicals happening in your body, adrenaline, right? So this is why people have trouble sleeping or even they get a full night's of sleep, they wake up feeling tired. It's probably because their body's programmed in survival. The other chemical that goes through your body is cortisol. Yeah. Right? So that's one of the things I talked about when pandemic was happening, right? Mm. Uh, one of the statements I was saying, you know what's actually deadlier than the virus itself is it's the fear of the virus. Oh, for sure. A huge toll on your body. And yeah. long-term, ask any physician, medical doctor, scientist, what do long-term exposure to steroids like cortisol do to your body? Across the board, they'll say it, it damages your immune system. Yeah, and then you get sick. <laughs> and then you get sick, you get more yeah. sick. So anyway, so when you think about all of this and how it ties into intuition is if your body's in survival, your brain's in survival, your body's wasting a ton of energy, your brain is really reactive you can't relax. Your brain and your body needs to feel safe. And as soon as it feels safe, boom, your body's relaxing. It's conserving energy instead of wasting energy, right? You're getting less tired because you're recuperating energy instead of spending energy. And then your brain, the part of your brain that has critical thinking skills, your creativity, your intuition, now it's willing to turn on because your brain doesn't think it's about to die. Yes. So the key here is learning the skills on how to do that so that ultimately 
what you mentioned is an important thing is you're creating space. Yeah. A safe space. Yeah. Because how often do we not feel safe for whatever reason? There's millions of reasons now not to feel safe. Mm. You turn on the news here in America, it's, you know, shootings, uh, yeah. the pandemic, obviously, uh, dramatic politics. Yeah. And we just feel so unsafe. Some yeah. people, it's culture. Maybe your parents had these high expectations of you and it made you feel like your parents won't love you unless you meet those expectations. You yeah. don't feel safe there. Or it's culture, friends, peer pressure, work. Social media. I mean, social media. People don't feel safe and feel less than now because of social media, because of this, because social media is now a window to show only the good side of things. And then people think that their life is, you know, a sack of garbage because they're seeing yeah. this glamour out there and it's not, it's not reality. Absolutely. There's the saying, right? Don't compare your behind the scenes to everyone else's highlight reels. But that's what yes. we're doing on social media. Always. Yeah. Yeah. So how, like, I'm, there's so many things I'm curious about. Um, like, I'm really curious about, like, what is, what happens when you're working with a client when they have a breakthrough and an all, because like one of my passions or maybe obsessions I'm not quite sure is learning how to access the next my next level of potential you know my next level of of what I'm capable of and when I look at like I'm very aware of the things that are keeping me stuck you know but I often um not quite sure how to change those those habits or those cycles we're stuck in like you said um I think 95% of our thoughts are recycled. You said it's the same yeah, thing. It's the same day. thoughts every day. Exactly. Right. Yeah. So like, how do we, how do we shift that? Like, how do we, how do we make a change? So we have new thoughts. How do we make a change? So we have new behaviors. Like this happened to me yesterday. I had this huge insight and then moment of healing. And I, it's almost as if I got like a preview of my life and I saw how I had been acting yeah. for 38 years. And I was like, oh my God, oh my God, how come I didn't see this before? Yeah. So now I see the real, I'm super inspired, but it feels like an impossible mountain to break these habits. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It's it, it just um, like the question I sit with is like, how am I ever going to break out of this if I've been stuck in this for 38 years? And because I created this habit from a place of trauma. So I feel like it's even right. more anchored. So I'd love to also hear you talk a little bit about trauma and just like what you see that allows people to have breakthroughs. Yeah, I mean, so th this is this is a rabbit hole, right? So the way like I start off the conversation is the first and foremost thing, which is what you're doing is the first a critical step is just awareness. Yeah. So as you become more aware, you're empowering yourself to make more decisions because it's when we're unaware of things that the program happens. Remember, it's reactiveness without thinking. It's just like you can program a computer to do the same thing every day. Our brains are actually very similar because of past experiences we had. Unfortunately, if it's like a trauma, it causes this programming to start happening in our brain where it just keeps doing repetitive behaviors, right? Yeah. To try to, in, in an attempt to protect ourselves from that feeling of that trauma. You see what I'm saying? Fight, flight, freeze, right? So once we become more aware, the example I give is if you have a piece of broccoli stuck between your teeth, how do you have the power to remove it 
until it comes into your awareness, right? Whether it's someone points it out to you or whether you're seeing it in the mirror. So awareness is key. And the way I build awareness is number one is just showing the science. Like, look, your brain only operates in one of two states. And when it's in survival, it's cutting you off from basically all the things that you want. And the way that your brain operates when you're in this state is fight, flight, freeze. Can you see all the fight, flight, freeze happening around us and inside of you? Mm. The moment you're able to see that, boom, it's like this experience of the matrix. You're, you're finally seeing, you stepped out of the matrix, you stepped out of the false reality and you can see it, that it's not a real thing because why are we in fight, flight, freeze if your life's actually not in danger right now? Right. If you're not about to be murdered, why are you in fight, flight, freeze? And the more we can see that now we're developing these, this awareness. Now you have the power to make a choice. There's going to come a point where you're like, you know what? I don't want this anymore. I don't want to behave like that anymore. I'm going to make a decision right now to change it so that the next time this happens, because I'm aware of it now, I'm going to try something different. Do we react the old way sometimes? Absolutely. And the key is not to judge Mm. yourself. Because guess what? Judge is a fighting mechanism, by the way, right? It's the same reason why people gossip, right? Why do we talk crap about other people? It's because you're carrying some sort of insecurity. So you feel the need to put someone else down in an effort to make you feel better about yourself. Uh, Judging, comparing is the same exact motivation. It's because there's some insecurity we're carrying about ourselves. So we feel the need to go and compare ourselves to other people so that we can try to figure out a strategy to make ourselves feel better about ourselves. So this is why the key is like just without judgment, just as you become more aware, then that's the first step because you can't change things if you're unaware, right? How do you fix a problem you can't see? So once you see things better, the next step is there's a twofold process. It's, there's a short-term strategy, which is like, okay, now I, now I'm seeing survival. What do I do here? Uh, There's short-term strategies when you're in it to just try to get yourself out of it more often. And then there's the long-term strategy because long-term wise, if you think about it, the question is, wait, hold on, your brain is just wired a certain way, mm. especially if survival is there, because there's a statistic that by the time that we're about 35, 90 to 95% of the brain becomes subconscious. What does that mean? It means that it's on autopilot. So just like, imagine when you go down the stairs, up the stairs, you're not sitting there going, oh, let me put my left foot forward. Let me put my right. You're not doing that because your brain has the autopilot to just do it. Mm. What most people don't think about is the same applies to your belief systems, to your thoughts, to your behaviors that are not helpful for you. Your brain keeps doing it without you telling it to because it's been conditioned that way subconsciously due to many reasons, right? It's a lot of, because of a lot of your personal experiences you've had in life, but it's doing it automatically, which is why when we do try to make a change, it feels like no matter how hard we try, the programming always wins because the programming is the programming. It just does it without you telling it to. So long-term wise, what we have to do is we have to take a look at what your reality looks like. Because believe it or not, everyone has a different reality, Mm. right? So the moment you can see that, that's what um, I do long-term is we take a look at that. We show you ways to rewire that, which involves a lot of looking at like, is this actually true or not? is what your reality here, is it actually true? You wanna poke holes in your reality. So those are the two things I do. So short-term wise, two simple things you can do, for example, is it's just like, you know, when you're feeling it, you're feeling it. Yeah. So if it doesn't feel good, now you know it's survival, right? So you're like, oh, I'm feeling this, what do I do? So two things that I usually um, recommend for people to do, the first thing is it's it's very well known, it's very cliche even, is, is taking deep breaths. 
Right. Right. The reason is because your nervous system, there's just like you have two states of the brain, there's two states of the nervous system, right? Which is you're either in a parasympathetic nervous system or sympathetic nervous system. One is fight flight and the other is not. It's rest and digest, right? Relaxation. So um, when you take deep breaths at the bottom of your lungs, you have your what's called your parasympathetic nerves. These are the nerves that turn on your relaxation in your body, right? It helps you relax. So when you take these deep breaths, it's tickling those nerves to turn on so that your body relaxes. It gets you out of survival because imagine being in front of a bear tiger that's about to eat you, hurt you. You're not consciously taking deep breaths in those moments. So for you to just take a conscious moment to take a deep breath, you're signaling to your body, hey, chill out. We're not about to die. And the reason why I'm taking a deep breath is to prove to you that we're not about to die. So it helps your body calm down. And two styles of breathing that I recommend is just what's called box breathing. It's a five second inhale, hold it up, hold it for five seconds, five seconds, exhale. Uh, the second type of breathing I also recommend, which is really cool to see was, uh, it's something recommended by a neuroscientist in Stanford named Andrew Huberman. It's you take an inhale. And then once you're done with that inhale, you do a second inhale and then slow exhale. So mm-hmm. when they took live scans of people's bodies doing this breathing exercise, you actually see the body just start relaxing. All those, the parasympathetic nervous system is just activating your body relaxes. So when you're not feeling good, you'll probably even notice you're just taking short, rapid breaths. Your shoulders are really tense. So to take a deep breath consciously and just making that a habit each day, because, you know, whether it's through a mindfulness exercise, meditation, or whether it's through yoga, uh, prayer, right? To take nice, deep breaths. And that calms your body down short term in the moment, right? Because your programming's kicking in and you're trying to, teach yourself, hey, that's just the programming. Let's calm down for a moment, even though we don't know where the programming is coming from yet, right? Right. So the second thing you can also do is a daily practice of labeling your emotions. So why this is so critical is there's actual science behind this. UCLA did this study once where they had brain scans on people's heads that they would show these participants photos of people's faces in survival mode. So faces of people that are anxious, scared, angry, And as soon as they show you the photo, guess what? Survival state brain turned on. Like you see all the activity occurring there immediately just from seeing the photo. Yeah. But what was really interesting was the researcher would ask the participant, hey, can you tell me what emotion you're seeing on this photo? And the participant, you know, they're saying, oh, that's easy. This person's anxious. This person's afraid. This person's angry. As soon as you label the emotion, you know what happened? Survival brain turned off. Mm. your executive state brain turned on where your intuition comes from you know why because to label an emotion doesn't it require you to think yeah when you're in survival you cannot think so when you're labeling something you're calling on your executive brain to turn on so you can think about it and then label the emotion so this is why each day every moment that you can for you to label your emotion i'm feeling sad I'm feeling frustrated. I'm feeling joyful. You don't have to say it out loud all the time because you might look crazy in front of a group of people (laughs) (laughs) or they might think you're oversharing, right? Uh, Even if it's just in your own mind, you're actually asking your executive brain to turn on right now because that's your executive brain also does emotional regulation. That's a function of your executive brain as well. So the one nuance that I explained to people that I learned from a clinical psychologist friend of mine is there's a subtle yet important difference between how you describe the feelings. There's a difference between I am sad and I feel sad. When you're saying I am sad, 
I am pre presumes that, that it's your identity, right? I am Eugene. I am sad. So if it's your identity, how are you going to get out of that? Because you're telling your brain thinks it's who you are. Yeah. So you're going to stay stuck in survival, trying to survive from this feeling that you don't like feeling. Yeah. But if you're able to describe the language as I feel sad, then you're understanding these feelings are not you. They come and go. Mm. How do we know they come and go? I mean, anyone who's alive can yeah. believe that, right? There's times you're sad, there are times you're happy. Yes. So then that's proof right there that your feelings are not who you are. Yeah. Do we hold on to some feelings? Yeah, we have that ability, but it's not who you are. So once you understand that and you do make it a daily practice to just label your feelings, then you can snap out of survival. Is that making sense so far? It is. And it's just, it's beautiful because really, um, it's like a practice of just acknowledging what is there. And, and I think that just that in and of itself kicks us out of um, the fight response, because when we're not willing to acknowledge, we're resisting seeing or feeling what's happening. And so I love that practice because I think it just, like you said, you know, when we acknowledge something, then we have awareness that healing can happen. And then insights can can come through right yeah like you were saying before let information come to you and uh and I always tell my clients like intuition speaks to you through your body and so I just I just love this like bringing science together with intuition because we yeah. we think that it's like well it's either our brain or it's either our intuition no they actually work together they're like really great partners and so they can't live without each other they can't live without each other think about your brain your brain has it's processing billions of bits of information every second. There's a lot of information in that brain. Yeah. And there's a big reason why we can't access all of it all at once, because you'd actually go pretty crazy with all, if you, yeah. like, we wouldn't be able to focus on each other right now, having this conversation, because yeah. your brain has something called a reticular activating system. It filters out information based on what your intention is. Because if you paid attention to every single thing, you'd go crazy, right? All the sounds, the colors, the all the things you're seeing with your five senses, your brain has to tune a lot of this out based on what your intention is, right? This is why if you go to a loud party, you're trying to talk to your friend, you can start having a conversation because your brain is going to start filtering out the noise around you to try to focus on your friend. The same experience where if you've ever wanted a car, a specific car, and then the next day you're driving on the road, you're like, oh my God, this car's everywhere on the road. It's like the universe is speaking to it. It's like, no, your brain's just paying attention to it now. They were always there. It's not right. that there's more that popped up. So when you when we understand the fact that, wait, hold on, there's all this information in your brain. We can't access it when you're in survival because your brain actually develops this tunnel vision and it doesn't pay attention to any of the information that's already there. Why? Because if you're in front of a tiger that's about to eat you, are you sitting there going, hmm, let me examine all of my surroundings and all of my options? Because your brain's not doing that in survival, when we're afraid as a leader, right, or as a business owner, because guess what, as a leader and a business owner, every day you're facing uncertainty and your brain doesn't like uncertainty, right? Right. In the leadership space, they use a common phrase called VUCA. It's volatility, uncertainty, right? Complexity and ambiguity. We face that on a daily basis. And if we don't teach ourselves how to get out of survival, we're just going to go into survival. Yeah. And then now you can't access your intuition because your brain is so focused on the threat. Yeah. Remember, there's all this information that's in your brain. You can't look at, you can't, you literally can't see it. Yeah. But if you think about intuition from a scientific perspective, what it is, is because when you open up your mind, because you've created a safe space for your mind, 
your brain's able to go, oh, look at all these options. Look at all this information here in my brain. And, you know, Eugene's trying to figure out this really big vision. Oh, there's this piece of information here. There's this piece of information. And it feels like kind of like a playground, right? You're just like, oh, look at all these options. Look at all these solutions. Let's put everything together into one cohesive thing. And ta-da, boom, you have your moment of inspiration. That's what's happening in your brain when you feel safe. It's accessing. You know, your brain is the most powerful piece of technology in the whole world. We cannot, we, we will never be able to create a computer that's stronger than the human brain. And because it came from the human brain. It's our human exactly. brain that created it. And yet right? we're so hard on our brains. Like we're so, I feel like there's a, a huge misperception in the maybe more spiritual world. Um, and even like, I notice myself being like, like, oh, bad brain, you know, like you're, you're, you're causing me so much trouble. And then we, we kind of lean on intuition as if it's like this beautiful, perfect thing, but the brain is, is so, so, so important in all of this. And I think that we're, um, yeah, we're harsh on it sometimes because we think that it's actually causing us more suffering. But, and what I love is like the power in what you just said that our brain, we see what's possible based on our intention. Mm -hmm. So it is so important that we take time to create clear intentions every, because then we get to access what we truly want or what we truly need. If we're not taking time to, and let me know if I'm mistaken here, but if we don't take time to create a clear intention every day, are we then just playing ping pong with our brain and kind of being thrown into all kinds of different information? Let's random. hundred percent. Like, you know, if you don't have that clear intention, so remember you wanted a car, the next day you see that car everywhere on the road. Right. It's the same thing. If you have a clear intention, your brain now tries to unfilter information Right. To try to support this intention that you have. But where do a lot of people focus on usually? It's problems rather than solutions. You yeah. know why it's easy to focus on problems? It doesn't take a lot of energy to focus on problems. Mm. It's easy to be a critic. Yeah. It's, you know, a mentor of mine used to say, you know, it doesn't take a genius to figure out why an idea won't work. You know where it takes a lot more mental energy is to spend the mental energy to try to figure out what will work. Mm. It just takes up more energy. Remember, when you're in survival, you're already wasting a lot of energy. So your brain's tired. So it tends to focus on problems. And when you're focused on a problem and not a solution, what's your brain doing? It's not, even though the solution might be right here, your brain's going, this is not aligned with what we're trying to focus on right now. We're busy trying to focus on the problem. Let's not show Eugene the solution here because he's so, his intention is so focused on the problem. Let's just keep giving him information based on the problem. And is that, I feel like focusing on the problem is a form of procrastination. It's a form of procrastination. It's survival. Yeah. It's, it's just because it takes a lot more, men- think about it when you're trying to solve a complex problem, it takes a lot of your mental energy. Yeah. But when we're in survival, we don't have the energy mm. to focus on the solution. And we're always surviving from various things. And, you know, you, you brought up a really important thing about like, you're, you, you said like, oh, bad brain. Right. <laughs> but the thing is like, that's what it, that's what it comes down to is most people are surviving from themselves. So what do I mean by this? Um, the best way I like to explain it is through a story. You know, there was once this leader that was asked a very cliche relationship, uh, relationship question, which was, how do I find the perfect one for me? Right. How do I find that perfect partner? As if there's such a thing as this one person in the world, that's willing to take 
100% responsibility for your happiness so that whenever you're not happy, at least you have someone to blame, <laughs> right? And we know this comes from a survival state, actually, because there are people who believe they're not loved because of maybe the way their parents treated them, or they're not worthy, they're not good enough, whatever belief that they're carrying, when you're in that survival state, because of this belief that doesn't feel good, we try to change things on the outside to try to make ourselves feel better on the inside. Mm -hmm. I hope this one person will solve all my problems. You know how much of a burden and weight that is on someone else's shoulders to be responsible for your happiness? And those people who are willing to take that responsibility, they got their own issues too, right? Where they're playing savior now. And then those relationships end up being really toxic. You see what I'm saying? Because you have two people in survival feeding each other's limiting beliefs. So anyway, um, you know, it's kind of like an insurance reason that we ask these questions to begin with. How do I find the perfect one for me? Because what I feel about myself is that not so good. So then the leader understood that, hey, this is a survival-based kind of question that's coming on. So he asked a really powerful question, which is, would you go out with yourself? Mm. And I remember this hit me so hard for two big reasons. Number one was, yeah, you know, like you hear this type of like questioning all the time. I'm just like, I immediately became aware of like my answer being no, my reactive answer being no, I would not go out with myself. But it's like, yeah, you know, you hear that stuff a lot. So I'm just like, yeah, there's truth to it, but it didn't hit, it doesn't hit you in the feels yet, right? Yeah. Then there was a second deeper realization that really hit me and showed me how, why this is so important to think about was, oh my goodness, if I can tell my wife that I love her and I do all of these nice things for her because I love her, but if I don't love myself, if I don't have a healthy relationship and perception about myself, mm. I'm actually not doing those things for her. Do you see what I'm saying? I'm doing it so that for me, I can feel better about myself in the future at some point. I'm, I'm using her as an insurance. Yeah. Do you see what I'm saying there? Yeah. So I'm not doing it for her then. I'm doing it for me. And then the same applies to my kids. I can tell them I love them all I want. I'm doing all these nice things for them because I love them. Yeah. But if I don't love me, I'm not doing it for them. I'm doing it for me. Right. Same applies to my clients. So how many that's when my eyes open. I'm like, oh my God, there's a lot of leaders out there. They're not doing it for other people. They're doing it for themselves. Themselves. Oh, yes. And they they disguise it as, oh, I'm the humble, like giving person, but they're over giving and hope. And then one day they get burned out. Yes. Because their expectation was, oh, by giving all these things, maybe one day I'll finally feel better about myself. Hmm. Does that making sense? So that's when I that was the big realization where it's just like, oh shoot. If I don't carry, if I don't create this safe space for myself, if I don't have this loving relationship with myself, I will never be a great leader. Yeah. I can't, because number one, if I'm in survival, my empathy's turned off, right? I can't, I'm not even thinking about other people. I'm thinking about me, right? If you're in front of a tiger that's about to die, you're not sitting there going, hmm, I wonder how this tiger's day was, right? <laughs> Is his parents feeding him okay? We're not empathetic when we're in survival. Yeah. And until I realized this, that's when everything changed because, oh my gosh, how do we give from a place of true generosity and true service? Because you know how you can tell that you're operating and doing things for people, even though you're telling people I'm doing it because I love them and yeah. you're actually doing it. You know how you can tell is the moment that you feel the, the other party that you're hoping would reciprocate doesn't reciprocate in the way you would want them to guess what the first thing I bring up is right if I if my wife's not reciprocating the way I was expecting her to what's the first thing I do in fight response I bring up all the things I've done for her <laughs> right. I'm using it against her now I did this for you I did that for you I did this for you why aren't you doing this for me 
Yeah. How many how many people have we run into in our lives that try to guilt us by doing that? We're just like, wait, hold on. Why are you trying to guilt me into this? Were you doing that for me because you're expecting something back from me? Was like, why are you being so transactional? Because survival state is very transactional. Yeah. Right? I scratch your back, you scratch mine. If you don't scratch my back, I'm I'm kicking you out of the tribe. Yeah. As opposed to just like, I'm here to listen. What do you need? So anyway, um, once I understood that, that's when I see. I look at certain things when I'm talking to clients now where you can clearly see survival beliefs are there. Sometimes clients say things like bad brain. Mm. You're treating your brain as if it's an enemy. Right. Right. And they go bad brain or like, I can't stand myself. Or, you know, people who um, can't take compliments. Yes. They're trying to play it off as being modest and humble, but no, it's because you can't take compliments because what you believe about yourself is not in alignment with what that nice thing being said about you is yeah you see what i'm saying there so that's a usual indicator i'm just like oh okay there's a lot of survival going on in this person's brain that's why they don't like taking compliments because they believe something else about themselves and it's not aligning what's being said yeah so when we develop this better self-mastery of being able to see what's actually happening inside of us Mm. that's when we become better leaders because think about this for a second if you're in a dark forest and you hear a scary noise, like a growl from a wild animal. Think about where your attention goes. It, does it go outside of you or inside of you? It goes outside of you. Outside. Where did, where did that noise come from? Yeah. But remember, when we're surviving from an emotion, you're still going into survival state. <clears throat> so the illusion becomes the thing happening outside of me is the reason why I'm feeling this thing inside of me. Is that making sense? Yeah. And then we go, oh, it's because of this job that I'm feeling unhappy. Oh, it's because of this employee that's not listening to me that I'm feeling frustrated. And we start playing that whole blame game. I blame these things outside of me. But you know what? A lot of people start realizing it's not true. They just don't know what to do about it. You know what this looks like? I spent my whole life. I thought the career was making me unhappy. So I changed my career. Why am I still not happy? I thought it was a relationship. I changed my relationship. Why am I still unhappy? We go to spinning our wheels because all along in survival, we're trying to change these things outside of us when all along the feeling was coming from inside of us. Yeah. And you know what that feeling is that's coming from inside of you? It's that trauma that you mentioned. Mm-hmm. There's a part of you that's stuck in time in the past and it's been stored as a memory in your brain and it's hurting, it's in pain and it's suffering. And you know what we do to ourselves? We turn our back on ourselves. Because mm-hmm. whenever you're feeling a feeling 100% of the time, the feeling's not coming from outside. It's not because of this thing someone said to you. It's not because of this thing that happened to you. It's because of the meaning that you're giving it. Yeah. Now you're getting pulled into the past where this kid, this younger version of you is asking you for help. Yeah. And what do we do? If you react, this kid who's hurting and asking for your help, you're turning your back on that person when you're in survival. Mm. Remember, fight, fight response. I don't have, it's like telling your younger self, I don't have time for you right now. Right. Stop being such a burden. You know how much work I have to do? Right. Leave me alone. Flight, right? Get away from me. Mm. Can't stand you right now. I'd rather watch Netflix than listen to you whine. You're such a, you're such a wuss, right? Like we talk to ourselves like that. Yeah. Freeze. It's just like, don't got time for you. Put your walls up. Nope, nope not not don't come to me right now and it's like this inner conflict that's happening and we don't listen to ourselves when we're in survival but when we when we're developing these skills to create that safe space then you're able to see what's actually happening inside of you you change that that's when everything changes like i'll give an illustration um when my daughter was three years old i got really triggered and angry 
uh, when she wouldn't listen to me multiple times, like really angry. I'd be yelling and scaring her. So I'm, as I'm learning this work, I'm just like calling myself out now, right? Because my brain might initially justify it. It's like, oh, she's not listening to her 10th time. Of course I would get angry and I would justify it. But as I learned this work, I'm calling myself out because I'm becoming more aware. I'm like, no, 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 hold on. If I'm feeling angry, she's not making me angry. My, my survival brain is just trying to blame her, right? When you say these phrases all the time, you're making me angry. You're making me yeah. Like, no, 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 that's not true. I'm like, what am I surviving from right now? And I'm sitting there, I'm creating space and think about it. I'm going, oh my God, I just had a breakthrough. I'm very sensitive about being a bad father. Why am I so sensitive about being a bad father? I had a really tough relationship with my father. Mm. I didn't feel like he supported us in the way I was looking. He left, you know, when I was a teenager. Um, and I harbored a lot of anger, a lot of resentment because that hurt. And because of that pain, I went on this selfish crusade saying, I'm never going to be a bad father like my dad. Mm. So what happens when my daughter's not listening to me? I get triggered because my brain's going, hey, dad, mm. your daughter's not listening to you. You're being a bad dad, just like your father. And now I flip my lid. I'm reacting without thinking out of the fight, flight, freeze response. Now I'm fighting. Yeah. And all I'm doing to the poor girl is scaring the crap out of her. <laughs> and the thing I want to do with her, I'm not doing, which is connect with her because my empathy's turned off when I'm in survival. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? We're, we're not reacting to the experience. We're reacting to the meaning we're giving the experience internally inside of us. And the better that we get at focusing on our internal world, because the illusion is the external world is what's causing the feeling inside that pain and suffering that we're going through or that frustration, the better we get at looking at this, that's when we can change all of the things long-term. And then we, we, we become greater leaders. You know what greater yeah. leaders look, great leaders look like? No matter how much chaos is happening outside of you, you're staying calm. You're yeah. not getting triggered because you're more objective. Yeah. And then you're accessing your intuition. Then you're accessing all of this endless amount of information in the brain to come up with better solutions, better opportunities. So the better we get at doing this, we're able to tap into that intuition bottom line. Yeah. And we're becoming really good leaders because every leader I talk to, that's the challenge that they're trying to solve. Because if you're feeling frustrated, mm. if you're feeling burnt out, if you're feeling angry, sad, depressed, it's not because of your team. <laughs> it's not because of, you know, whatever else you want to blame. Yeah. Something's happening inside of you. And which is why the, this is why I think it's so important to invest in yourself, create space for yourself to grow to yeah. create that safe space and guard that. And once we become more aware of this, my goodness, right? Your it's, intuition's gonna skyrocket. It's incredible. And like, as you're telling me that story, I'm just realizing how much of this I do. And I'm sure so many people also do is like, when you said, we're not reacting to the situation, we're reacting to what's happening inside of us. It's like, we, we go to the external thing because that's a lot easier to fix or, or to, or to pay attention to than to pay attention or fix what's happening or not fix. I don't like to say fix, but right. into what's happening inside of us, you know? Right. And um, I have this cycle that I'm in in business all the time where, and this is the big breakthrough that I had yesterday is like, I, I get to this point where I'm starting to get uncomfortable. And like, I think that there's something wrong with my business. And I'm like, I need to change everything up or I want to throw everything out the window and start something new because it's like my business that's like not fulfilling me anymore. And it's this thing or the, or the website, I need to change my website. And we like, I start picking at all these external things, 
when really um, what happened yesterday, what I saw is that my frustration was coming from the environment that I had manufactured around myself. Mm. And when I saw, I was like, oh my God, this prison that I feel like I'm in where I'm like, I'm not accessing my creativity. I'm not fulfilled, all this stuff. I built that. Right. I built this, this cage and now I'm frustrated in the cage. And so I think that I need to change all the external things. No, I just need to stop building these damn cages around myself. And then I'm not going to feel like I need to change all of these external things, you know? So I think that this, what you just spoke about is so, so, so key to the transformation that we're all looking for. This was really powerful. Because when you just created that space and you're going, oh, okay, I get it. It's not because of these things out here. It's because of what's in here. And the next thing you know, if you're listening, you're, then you're able to see going, I'm being arbitrary with the age right now, but it's just like, oh, hey there, five-year-old Jen. Yeah. Who's scared. Yeah. Who feels like there's a loss of control in your life. And that really scares you because you're hurting right now. There you are. Yeah. And I can see why this current scenario is making you feel that way because it's not my current self feeling it. It's your past self trying to get your attention. Right. And then you're able to go, oh, got it. And normally I know if I go into fight mode, I would just, that's me, right? That's fixing fixing things. That's my fight mode or my flea mode is after I do all that fighting, I get burnt out. So I'm going to turn on some Netflix or, you know, have a drink or whatever. Everyone has their numbing fleeing mechanisms. Yeah. Or I would just freeze and shut down. Mm. I'm seeing now that whenever I do that, I'm turning my back on you and I'm hurting you even more, which is why the feeling won't go away. Right. Today, in this moment, I'm here. I'm not going to do that fixing thing right now. I'm listening. What do you need? This is what it looks like to have that healthier relationship with yourself. This is what basically is emotional regulation. Yeah. And then what do you need? And then the deeper work is what she's scared of, that five-year-old, 10-year-old she needs to see that it's actually not even true mm. going, Oh, I'm afraid because of this thing that happened. It, when this thing happened, it means this about me. Yeah. So really, is that what it means? Like, let's look at it. And when you're able to show yourself, Oh my God, that's not totally not true. Mm. Cause children attach meanings to a lot of our experiences that aren't true. Yeah. Right. You get bit by a dog at four years old. Now you think all dogs are dangerous. It's a belief that's formed in your head. Yeah. And then there's a lot of beliefs about things that we store as memory, about life, about money, about relationships, right? You watch your parents divorce at a young age, really horrible divorce. You might form a belief. Relationships are hard. Yeah. Even though the best relationship might be around the corner, you're going, because relationships are hard, this is not possible. Sorry, not going to do this. Or about money. Money's really hard to make. It's like, really, if I learn this, I can learn how to make more money. But no, that's a scam. <laughs> right, right, right. And then we, we create our own reality because that's what our filtering system is doing, our brain's filtering system. So that's where it, it involves this internal process is when you create that space to listen yeah, and then you're no longer getting triggered because imagine what it's like to just not have the trigger anymore. Right. Because you've let go of a meaning you've given certain experiences in your life. Like you actually let yeah. it go and then boom, you're in the present moment. You're feeling safe. Intuition. Yeah. And it's like that is the biggest trap I'm noticing the biggest trap is immediately attaching meaning to what you're feeling because then there's no like you said there's no space to actually hear the right information and then when we when we attach meaning to how we're feeling that's when we go off into like 
I need to fix all the things, right? So right, you reactively go into fight mode there. Yeah, that's an example of fight. Right? Yeah, it's the need to control. Yeah, but then when you think about it, really, how are you, are we in control of most of the things? No, like that's the illusion that the survival state is. Like yeah. I did this. It's like, yeah, sure, you made that decision, but let's look at the 99% of the things that needed to happen for you to experience this moment yeah. that you had no control over, right? The people right. that existed, the opportunity that was there, the people that said yes to you, mm-hmm. none of these existed. This experience would have never happened. How did you control that, right? Yeah. So when we're, that's what intuition is. It's just like being able to understand that there's this balance of like, life is full of opportunities and solutions. Mm-hmm. It's teaching our brains on how to see it, but it's always been there. It's just when we're in survival, we can't see it anymore. Yeah. And when you're able to regulate yourself in that way, where you're able to focus internally and start changing the things that need to change, the triggers disappear. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, it feels stuck because when you're in survival, you change this thing on the outside temporarily. It's like, ah, oh, I think this employee is the problem, so I'm going to change the employee. Right. But if you don't address what's going on the inside, that thing's going to, something else is going to happen that causes you the same stress. Uh, And it's this relationship with ourselves that we need to be able to, you know, navigate Um, that changes everything. Because every time you feel something that doesn't feel good, you know what it is? It's just a part of you asking you for help. Mm. The part of you that's hurting. It's a part of you that's scared. It's a part of you that doesn't like the uncertainty you're about to step into Mm. because it's scared. Yeah. And we need to listen to that part because guess what? You want to step into your next level of growth. We need to listen to that person. First. It's, it's a gift. Yeah. If you think about it. Not, not a, but we treat it like a monster to run away from going, oh, I don't like this. This is scary. Yeah. But yeah, I think uh, Joseph Campbell said it best. He's the father of storytelling. He said, the, yeah. cave you f- the cave you fear to enter holds the treasure that you seek. Oh, so good. So, so good. Oh, this stuff is so like, I have chills. I feel like this is literally um, so, so, so transformational, even just, just listening to it, you know? And it, for me, it's like the second conversation we have about this. And I, I feel like every time my body receives it at like a deeper and deeper level. Um, So I'm so excited for people to listen to this podcast. And um, I would love to know if someone wants to take a, like a next step with you or go further into this work with you, what would that look like? Yeah. So I have like a free training that you can kind of get the gist of the basic science first, because okay. that's what helps develop a lot of awareness going, oh shoot, like this thing that I thought was that didn't, wasn't this and it's actually survival, right? Or I thought this was executive state. A lot of people, a lot of fighters think that working hard is an executive state, but it's just like, no, no, no. Um, (laughs) So uh, I do a free training that shows you kind of like four of those short-term kind of methods that I talked about, like the two that I talked about earlier. There's like four steps that you can take to kind of continue activating your executive state. Uh, That's on my website. It's just uh, www.destinyhacks.co. And that's kind of where they can just sign up for a free training if they want to take that next steps. There's all my information's there, right? How to book a call with me, et cetera. Great. Amazing. I will put that in the show notes. Absolutely. It was such a pleasure to chat with you again. I feel like I could do this for hours on end. Um, yeah, likewise. I can't wait to share this with the world. And uh, yeah, I just think that this is pure gold going out into the consciousness of people. So thank you so much. Thank you for having me. 
Thank you so much for spending time with me here today. I want to leave you with this little bit of wisdom. The actions you're not willing to take or the decisions you're not willing to make are the ones that will change your life. Trust your intuition, take the leaps, follow what you know to be true, even if it's not always easy or convenient. Your words mean the world to me. So if you have a moment, please share them by leaving a review of the podcast or sending me a testimonial. And I would love if you would share this episode wherever you feel called to. If you want to connect with me, you can find me over at jenniferjaneyoung.com or on Instagram at jennifer.jane.young.com.